Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. And after you finish this episode, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. In this episode, I spoke with Cheryl Ashenbrenner, CPA National Leader and Partner in Transaction Advisory Services at Sikich LLP about how the mergers and acquisitions markets have been impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. We discussed the trends popping up as a result of the pandemic, how the M&A landscape has changed from spring to now, what the future for M&A looks like, and much more. I think there's been an increased importance placed on, you know, the customer relationships and then those concentrations of revenue. I think uh, there's just been a lot of assessment and placed on looking at those revenue trends before, during, and after the pandemic. So I think there's been a big impact there. Um, Another impact that we've really seen is how secure the supply chains are, you know, both going forward and backwards. So, you know, who are those customers selling to and how that industry has been affected. So that affects, you know, then the company that you yourself are involved in. So looking at how strong the relationships are between between those two with that supply chain is really, really, really impactful. And then I think most importantly, um, you know, what is a temporary disruption and what is a permanent disruption? So are there any expected changes in maybe that return or warranty policy? And then again, how that's going to impact the revenue recognized going forward um, with, with, with 606 on top of it with, with maybe a change in the return or warranty policies. So we've been seeing a lot of temporary disruptions, you know, such as declines in discretionary spending, supply chain, restrictions on travel and those related expenses, um, the availability of international workers, um, and and exchange rate fluctuations. And then on the permanent side, you know, we're looking at business model changes or technology changes with, you know, the work from home capabilities and the costs associated with that. And then maybe overhead reductions um, because of, of, of the lack of maybe need for, um, for space um, in, in select locations versus just placing people in their homes. Um, and we've also seen a large increase in technology due diligence. So, you know, looking at policies and procedures surrounding um, technology or the security or just their network. Um, we're seeing a lot of new penetration studies coming through, disaster recovery plans being looked at, and just the business kind of continuity. Um, and as well, looking at the IT personnel and just their outside vendor strength of, of providers that they're using in that regime. So a lot of impact going on out there, but those are some of the key things that, that we've been seeing in the transaction advisory services space. And I know you mentioned um, a couple trends that you're seeing as far as temporary and permanent, but I'm curious, because of the pandemic, have have there been any other trends popping up that you're saying, oh, this is directly related to the coronavirus? Yeah, you know what you are hearing, and I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to be alone in these terms, but we're hearing a lot of new terms that are being introduced, um, such as a COVID bump or EBITDA has changed to EBITDAC, so adding that little COVID at the end of it. So, um, you know, and expected values or asking prices, you know, may need to be adjusted. 
uh, a larger portion of that purchase price is 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 being looked at and, and being paid out in earnouts, um, such as longer earnout periods and and rollover equity is really being introduced a, a bit more. Um, because the valuations are going to be based more on future results. So trying to figure out what 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 COVID impact happened to that company. And another um, pop up that we're seeing is is working capital has obviously been altered quite significantly in deals. You know, there's there's changes in cash positions over the past months, you know, such as holding on to cash longer, delaying those payables, um, just the customers of the companies themselves delaying cash cash payments to to them so that cash that cash collection timing has really become a huge um, trend that we're seeing so really looking at that working capital is key. And I know earlier Cheryl you mentioned uh, the supply chain has really been impacted by this. What um, are you hearing from those in the supply chain and how they're dealing with the fallout from the pandemic. You know, that's a, that's a very interesting question because, right, there's, as I mentioned, there's that forwards and the backwards supply chain. So it's really making sure the company is, is looking both forward and backwards. So looking forward, it's, it's talking with their customers, you know, re-engaging with some customers and making sure that they, because a lot of people do have customer concentrations. So if, the, if that's the case, you know, where are they with their supply chains? You know, it's, it's, a, tr it's a trickle effect. And then backwards, you know, a lot of, a lot of our, a lot of companies, um, their supply chains are even coming from international sources. So a lot of people saw a couple bumps with with China and just the the whole Asian market um, because their pause happened a bit earlier than than ours in in the United States. So how that impacted them was was really uh, a, a throw in their supply chains. And. How would you say that this has maybe impacted those who were planning on transactions, people maybe being more fearful to move forward, or have there been any positives? There's always a positive and a negative, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and owners out there obviously looking to sell their businesses. And I think what we're seeing on that side is they may have to adjust their expectations about price and ex extend their timelines. Um, I, I really expect that you're gonna see a larger portion of the purchase price being paid in earnouts or rollover equity because the valuations are gonna be based more on those future results. And, and what you're seeing is, is a few more sellers coming to the table and it, it's definitely a seller's marketplace. Um, there's a lot of business owners out there, especially in the family held type business situations where they've been through the 08 and 09 and they're looking forward and, and, and it, it's a great time to sell. I mean, this is the perfect time. There's, there's so many factors playing into it, be it the pandemic, be it the political situation, be it the tax rates, um, the price of capital. So there's obviously the positives there. Um, but cash flow is going to be key. So, you know, really looking at what what has been the historical cash flows from operations, and what are they now, and what will they be going forward. So, um, some of the negatives, you know, many companies have delayed capital expenditures. So, what impact is that going to have on the purchase price or sales price? Um, again, the the remote environment or just just the whole IT impact um, is is going to be 
a little bit different going forward and making sure that those are all in alignment. So I think the key is going to be, you know, showcasing their path to recovery and just what change that may have done in revenue, be it positive or negative, you know, and, and, and laying out, it's no longer just, just laying out a five-year plan. I think we've all realized it's now looking six, 12, 18 months. Um, and, you know, just structuring and, and showing their update to, to that change in structure, to their working or operating capital, and then showcasing the connections to their customers and that supply chain, and as well their employees. Um, I, I, there, there's a lot of employee fatigue out there as well. So showcasing how they've kept their employees engaged because there's nothing worse than a company being out on the market and, and the new buyer coming in and seeing tired employees. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge impact um, to those planning transactions going forward. Absolutely. And when you mentioned showcasing a path to recovery, do you think that this is something companies are thinking about that they're aware of and that they are, are capable to do? Or do you think a lot of them are kind of still just like trying to keep their head above water? Unfortunately, I think we're still seeing a, a bit of trying to keep their head above water because no one has any intuition as to how long this is going to last and how, how far they're going to need to step into their working capital, capital you know, to keep their companies um, proficient and going and employees engaged. And just how, again, that supply chain is being affected. So, and, and when I say this, you know, and I'm talking in, you know, that middle market, um, obviously larger corporations have, have, have more of a bench strength, but I think, you're really going to see an uptick in outside providers being able to maybe help in these situations and helping them structure maybe what their their re-entry plan is. And earlier, Cheryl, you mentioned, you know, um, no one really has a crystal ball and can tell you when exactly that this will all be over, which kind of reminds me of how everyone was thinking in spring um, in the US kind of, it was obviously something, it was unprecedented. Uh, there's a reason why that word gets thrown out all the time when we're talking about the pandemic, something no one else had gone through before. How do you feel like the M&A landscape has changed from spring to now we're in fall? Yeah, it's amazing how long this has lasted. I think when, when it first happened, um, we at least saw a complete pause in the M&A market, you know, as, as COVID hit, we saw a lot of the private equity and family offices just really hunker down and, you know, go into their portfolio companies and work through um, their working capital, their customers, their supply change, chains, their uses of government assistance, you know, was, was there a possibility for them to utilize the PPP money if they were small enough as a, as a, private equity or, or family office group. So it was completely quiet. It just got silent. You know, investment banks saw deals just falling off the table or just going on pause. And then, you know, spring to fall, I would say the summer, you know, you saw June, I think people realized this wasn't a two to four week pandemic as we thought. And at the time it wasn't a pandemic, right? It was just two to four couple of weeks. We thought we were going to shut the doors of our businesses and come back full strength. And so come June, I think the doors seem to be opening and deal flow started coming in as business owners, you know, we're really realizing this is not just a short term um, 
short-term thing, but it was turning into that pandemic. And I think thoughts of buying or selling businesses became eminent. So you saw the doors opening again. And, and then what was strange is July, it was, gosh, I, it felt like everyone just needed a, a break or vacation. I, um, you know, if there's one thing I think we've all learned during this, we, we can work remotely if we needed to, but I also think you couldn't get away. Work just never seemed to leave. There was no such thing as a vacation. You couldn't go anywhere. You weren't basically allowed, right? Um, but as I see August and September flowing in here, um, I don't know that any of us are going to see a day off because it's it's going to get so busy. You know, there's a lot of everyone hears the term dry powder out there. I mean, there, there's a ton of dry powder out there. I just, you really, the, the deal flow is coming and, and, and it's going to go fast. So I think people being prepared when they put their company out for sale is going to be huge. So um, it's, it's, it's going to change the M&A market, but I, I still think you're going to see face-to-face -face meetings happening because relationships are, it's hard virtually. I mean, I know we can all be on screen and we think it's working, but there's still that culture aspect that, that you're gonna see visits, I think, starting up again. They might just be a little bit more unique. Um, you know, there might be visits after hours or on weekends or something like that. And Because nothing in my eyes can replace that live face-to-face. -face. And I think that's what's going to give companies and just your whole transaction, should you be looking to buy or sell, it's going to give you the edge if you're willing to, to get in front of people. Absolutely. I mean, that makes sense. And I know that when you talk about terms that have popped up during this pandemic, one of them has been, you know, Zoom fatigue people get kind of sick of just staring at their screen all day, even if they're talking and engaging with people. To your point, it's hard to replace that in-person um, interaction and uh, what that gives you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, you know, the, the, the impact of IT is, is, is huge. Um, I, I just, we've become more remote than ever. Um, but but what does that potentially expose you know a company to? And I think that's where the whole M and A market is is going to see a, a bigger change, especially in that middle market stage, because IT due diligence hasn't really been a big thing, you know. So it's really going to be looking at those expenditures that may be out there to get the company where it needs to be securely, you know, because it, it, a breach they're watching months and months in advance. So, you know, what breaches are the, are the is that company susceptible to and, and how secure is their, is their data? So it's, there's more times than often, um, unfortunately, you know, bre breaches happen after the ink is dried is what we always say. So that, that's where I, I see a big shift in, in the whole M&A environment um, for that middle market. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you you mentioned that about you know protecting your data and, and breaches happening because I wouldn't have expected that and I was another question I wanted to ask you which was is there anything about this uh, process or during the pandemic about um, that's impacted M and A that surprised you that maybe you didn't expect and and it's hard to say that because. Um, no one expected this to happen, but the way that it impacted um, uh, M&A. Yeah, no, like I said, the impact to IT was probably something that surprised, surprised me to the, to the level that it's going in, 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 these, in, the, in the middle market. Um, and then 
uh, the other thing, like I said, uh, there's just, I, there's a lot of good companies out there looking to sell, which is a little bit surprising. But again, I think it's because of the length of time that this has gone on. Um, and there's business owners out there that, you know, this is their nest egg. This is, this is their retirement package. So leaving their next legacy is something that they're really starting to think about. And I also think a lot of change and shift into who they're going to sell to. You know, there's a lot of business owners out there that their dream is, you know, to walk into the, to the grocery store, right. And, and be able to face their employees and, 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 and make sure that they were taken care of upon that sale. And I think the business owner always thinks of some sort of strategic buyer, you know, someone that's just going to either a management buyout or, or like I said, that strategic buyer versus the private equity or, or looking at an investment bank to put together, you know, a package to take them out to market. Um, I think that's a scary thought for them. So there's just, there's a lot of education going on in the marketplace as to what is the, you know, what is private equity? What is a family office? What, what does it mean to introduce myself to an investment banker? And how is that different than, than a strategic buyer or being tucked into, you know, some other company? I think those are going to be huge. The other one that really, really stepped up is, is the insurance diligence. Um, and that's a hard two words to say together, but, you know, a, a lot of people would sign like a reps and warranty um, type structure. But I think with, with the PPP money out there, there's just been a lot of discussion surrounding insurance companies paying for, for that, that reserve that a lot of people are escrowing for. So maybe prepaying that so that that escrow doesn't have to be out there should the forgiveness portion of that PPP money not come into fruition, you know, so and, and then, you know, the business interruption insurance, you know, there's, there's new terms that are being introduced um, with the pandemic. You know, a lot of insurance companies are saying this is not a business interruption because so looking for those pathogen, you know, exclusions and what happens in the event a company is sued for lack of proper preparation, you know, related to an employee or a customer or vendor safety, you know, so there's just, there's so many new things that have come up through this pandemic unfortunately. And I know it can be hard to to predict the future, especially with <laughs> the time that we're in right now. But if there was anything that, like I know you mentioned earlier, you're kind of expecting a lot of deals to happen um, in the future. But was there anything that you would say, how do you predict that M&A will continue to evolve as we sort of figure out and navigate through this pandemic? Yeah, outside of, you know, like I said, the, the IT, the insurance, the, you know, matching expectations with reality, I think there's going to be more placed on, on the data. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, not just looking at, I think in the, the M&A in the, it, currently, right, we, we focus on the balance sheet and the EBITDA, you know, what's what's physically there, what's tangibly there, or even just the intangibles of the name of the company or things of that nature, but how well that data contributes to the revenue generation and just the business efficiencies or how it may be combined into other portfolio companies or partners is, is going to be huge. So trying to figure out that artificial intelligence, I think is going gonna, is gonna to be a game changer. And, and really help um, a company look at what they're worth. I also, I see financing from outside sources a bit tougher. And by that, I mean more of the, the traditional bank financing. Um, you know, and 
just based on you know what what's out there and what we've been hearing um, i think diligence is going to take a bit longer due to the remote environment um, you know and how ready the company is to go virtually you know i think you're going to see a lot more done remotely but you also are going to have to depend on the protocols of advisors and again like i said i think meetings are still going to continue but not be as many and as 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 frequent as they had been in the past just because of the safety of the company's employees as well as you know the the, the due diligence personnel that have to come in based on various various um, sources thank you to cheryl for taking the time to speak with us more about the future of m a during the pandemic what did you think of the episode you can let me know at jsalerno j-s-a-l-e-r-n-o at ohiocpa.com And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.